You're listening to Past and Present, the Colonial Williamsburg podcast. Hi, welcome to the podcast. I'm Harmony Hunter. Our guest today is Janine Scary, who is curator of medals at the Art Museums of Colonial Williamsburg. And Janine's here today to talk with us about a very special artifact of uh, George Washington's. And Washington is a figure of the American Revolution who is, he's synonymous with the American Revolution. He's really larger than life. And so what's special about the artifact that you're here today to talk to us is about is it's something small and it's something personal. And um, you've described this as the most exciting artifact you've ever worked with and you said it, it gives you goosebumps. What are we talking about? Well, Colonial Williamsburg is now um, the grateful, excited owner of George Washington's watch seal. It's a small object made of gold set with a citrine, um, which is uh, the chemical or technical name for a stone that is often described as topaz. Um, it's a yellow colored stone. And um, this small item dangled from the watch chain or watch ribbon of a gentleman's uh, timepiece. This is a watch seal. Uh, it's um, only about two inches tall, maybe a little bit less. And uh, it is very beautiful, uh, but mostly I am in love with it because it is one of the most well-documented objects I have ever worked with in my curatorial career. All of the pieces of the puzzle are right there um, in letters and correspondence, and it's, it's amazing. So this is a decorative object um, based on what would have been a seal that someone might have used to seal correspondence or letters. But our evidence shows that this probably was never used for that purpose. Um, that's correct. A, a watch seal engraved or cut with a coat of arms or a monogram could, I suppose, in a pinch be used to seal a document. But I like to joke and, and if you'll pardon the pun, say that a watch seal was much more about making an impression on the viewer than it was about making an impression in a blob of sealing wax. I love um, it. Sealing wax, uh, to, to, sealing wax was usually impressed with um, what is called a seal with handle. Uh, we know that George Washington owned two at the time of his death. They're much larger in size. Um, the head or face of the seal is very deeply cut for a seal with handle, and the handle is usually ivory and sometimes wood. Um, and it makes a larger impression than what you would get from a watch seal. A watch seal is really a piece of jewelry. I like to think of them as boy bling. Although women wore them occasionally too, and we know that Martha, Martha Washington owned one as well, but mostly a male accessory. I realized I think I probably should be explicit when we're talking about a seal. We're talking about when people dribble a blob of melted wax onto mm -hmm. a letter or an envelope and then press, impress a stamp or a, steel, a seal in that. And people can probably picture that in their mind. Exactly. So with Washington's seal, where does this story begin? You've said it's perfectly documented. What's the beginning? Well, it begins in Williamsburg in 1771. Um, Washington, of course, was a member of the House of Burgesses, and in July of 1771, he was in Williamsburg for a meeting at the Capitol. There were a lot of things going on that needed to be addressed um, by the Burgesses, but Washington was also conducting some personal business while he was here in town. 
Now, as a wealthy tobacco planter, most of his finances were uh, tied up in bills of credit um, with various merchants over in England. One of the merchants he frequently worked with was a man named Robert Carey, or Robert Carey and Company. And Washington would order goods on credit from Robert Carey in return for the uh, value of his tobacco crop. On July 18th, it was a Thursday, 1771, uh, George Washington wrote a very long letter to Robert Carey uh, requesting a whole range of household goods. And it's a really diver diverse assortment of things. Um, it includes oh, nails, padlocks, Irish linen, uh, both some men's gloves, clearly sized for his, himself, um, ladies' gloves for Martha. Uh, he ordered some foods, including French olives and anchovies. But there's one entry in this very long document that really stands out. He writes, a topaz or some other handsome stone fixed in the gold socket scent with the Washington arms neatly engraved thereon. Another stone fixed in the other gold socket with the Washington crest and the watch chain repaired. Now, at the very end of this order, Washington signs his name and then he adds a postscript. Note, the watch chain and seal sockets were given to Captain Peterson. Now, rootling around in the Virginia Gazette and other records, um, it's clear that Captain Peterson was a ship captain who very regularly transported Washington's tobacco crop to England and who would in return uh, frequently bring back some of the goods that Washington had ordered from his various uh, factors or agents. Captain Peterson sailed a number of vessels, but at this point in time, he was most frequently sailing a ship called the Rising Sun, and that had arrived in the York River from London in May of 1771. So in deciphering this reference to a topaz or some other handsome stone fixed in the gold socket scent, it's really the postscript that was my starting point, where he says, the watch chain and seal sockets given to Captain Peterson. And I thought, okay, what is a seal socket? And that's when I began to realize that the term fob was not used for this little piece of jewelry. They were called seals. And the gold socket scent was a reference to the actual gold, um, what today jewelers would call finding or mount for the stone. Washington had acquired that in Williamsburg, presumably, and was sending it via Captain Peterson, these two gold sockets for seals. He was giving that to Captain Peterson and entrusting him to deliver the gold, along with a watch chain that needed to be repaired, to Robert Carey to complete this order. So I began doing research about seals and discovered that watch seals become fashionable. Um, in the early 18th century, they're more commonly owned beginning in the second half of the 18th century. Uh, they're primarily male jewelry, uh, but women did occasionally own them. And by the last quarter of the 18th century, uh, men of fashion might actually wear two or even three watch seals dangling from their watch chain at the same time. So this is really, when I say it's male jewelry, you know, you're meant to have a fair bit of uh, equipment 
hanging off of your watch chain and kind of making a little bit of flash and show. So going through Washington's correspondence, um, we were then able to find um, the order where the goods that Washington has requested are finally being delivered. There's there's no uh, FedEx or Amazon or overnight delivery at this point in time, of course, so it takes quite a while. And it's more than seven months later that um, Captain James Page arrives in the Potomac River from London. He's sailing a ship called the Trimley. Um, and on February 27th, 1772, he finally is able to uh, arrive in port. And he's bringing the things that George Washington had ordered from Robert Carey. And the nice thing is that Robert Carey and Company, when he ships goods, he sends a very long transcription of all of the invoices from the various subcontractors that had filled the order. And um, among his invoice, by the way, Robert Carey's invoice was dated December 3rd, 1771. So that gives you an idea of the time sequence. You, know, you order it in July of 1771. By December 3rd, He's got at least part of the order put together. It's loaded on a ship, and it arrives in Virginia in February of 1772. So that is not three-day shipping. It is not three-day shipping, absolutely. Well, the invoice includes um, an order from a wholesale jeweler who worked in London at 114 Wood Street, and his name was Benjamin Gurdon. And Benjamin Gurdon charged to a topaz and engraving a coat of arms on ditto, two pounds, seven shillings, and sixpence, to a new bezel and setting a gold seal, 10 shillings, to a gold seal with the crest engraved, ditto, one pound, 13 shillings, and to repairing a gold watch chain and three new swivels, one pound, three shillings. So there it is. So there it is. Now, we don't know what happened to the second seal, the one that Washington wanted some other handsome stone. Apparently, what he got back was something that was gold and had his crest. Um, a crest is a part of a coat of arms that I think of as being sort of like a person's monogram. Many people have the same monogram, um, but very few people have the same name. The crest is the monogram. The coat of arms is the full name. You talk about the excitement of this artifact being in its absolutely perfect um, documentation. We know the entire provenance. To me, what's impressive about it, or what's special about it, is that it's a small personal item, a little piece of jewelry, and, and it speaks to, like, vanity. And you think about Washington as this great hero and Washington in battle and Washington as a leader, and to me, this is such a personalizing artifact. It is. It is a very personal object. And I, when I thought about it, I realized I needed to know a little bit more about what was happening in Washington's own life at this time. Um, when he sent the order, he was 39 years old. By the time the seal arrived, he was 40. He'd been married to Martha for 12 years. He was a prosperous uh, tobacco planter. He was well recognized as a leader in um, 
his community, uh, having been elected since 1758 onward to the Virginia House of Burgesses. So he was, he was given uh, acknowledgement as being a person of some standing and political power. And he was also, by this point, of course, recognized as a military leader. He'd not yet become the commander of the Continental Forces, but he was a leader of the military in Virginia. And so I think this object, it's personal. It reflects his sense of family history using his coat of arms. It reflects his awareness of fashion and style and good taste. And it also is a, a, a prop, if you will, that he can use to further signal that he is a member of the gentry. Um, you, you, know, you, you dress for the job that you want. Well, in Washington's case, he was dressing himself for the job that he had and perhaps aspired to in terms of greater social, political, and leadership opportunities. And this is part of that uh, accessorizing, if you will. So it's a very personal object in, in many respects, and yet it's also a very uh, strong social signifier. How do we come to possess such a spectacular object? We are very, very fortunate. Um, a local family, uh, Mike and Carol McNamara, acquired this seal. It descended, by the way, in uh, private hands um, into the 1990s. We believe it was given by Martha Washington, most likely to Chief Justice John Marshall, and then descended through the Marshall uh, family until it was discovered um, in a jewelry box in the 1990s uh, by a woman who was cleaning out her mother-in-law's state. And this was a family that was connected to at least eight different important Virginia families of the 18th century. And she recognized that it was the Washington coat of arms. Well, the McNamara's were able to purchase this object and presented it as a gift to Colonial Williamsburg. They love Colonial Williamsburg. They love American history. And they love George Washington. And for them, it it was just, they, this was something that, that had to be shared. So it's already on display now at the, De, the DeWitt Wallace Decorative Arts Museums at the Museums of Colonial Williamsburg. And you can see it and read all about it and uh, enjoy it. That's very much what the McNamara's wanted. And I feel like I say this so often when I talk to a curator, but so many of the objects in the museums, all of them, the closer you look, the more you learn. Oh. And so this is one of those objects that I can really see um, appreciating so many different stories, the economy, the jeweler, who Washington was, what, what jewelry meant. So this is one of those great artifacts that carries so many stories. We're excited to have it here. Very, very much so. And you're right. I promise you, close inspection will be rewarded. Janine, thank you so much for being here today. My pleasure. Thanks for listening. We're always glad to hear your feedback. Send us an email at podcast.history.org.